on 80s High. I'd like to revisit those childhood carefree days of summer vacations. Oh, okay. The trips we took, the places we visited, the people we went with, the souvenirs we shoved into our bags, and the <laughs> cherished memories that are forever in our hearts and minds. Here's what I'm scared about. I think the podcast is about to implode because this might be the most nostalgic topic we've picked. Like everyone has so many personal memories about their family oh, yeah. summer vacations. I haven't really talked about my time at Folsom Prison much as a child, but this is going to be great. <laughs> That's right, everyone. Welcome back to 80s High, the podcast that revels in the final bell of the school year, <sighs> running out the doors and into the vast, promising glow of summer break. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And this is 80s High. That was so poetic. Dun, dun, dun. I loved your little intro there. That was great. I mean, everyone can think back clearly to the last bell. You're oh like, my God. This is the final noise that stands between me and my summer bliss. In the last week of school, there was always like, you just finished up testing of some kind, and the last week felt like a nice cruise. Like, there was a lot of watching movies mm -hmm. at school, so it always felt like a nice, easy downhill coast to when that final bell happened. That's right. Our audio sounds a little different tonight. It sure does. This is a first for the podcast. <laughs> After eight months creating this little 80s pop culture baby, right? we are four feet from one another. It's really bizarre. Face to face. <laughs> but exciting. This is only the second time we've had anyone within our home for any amount of time over a minute in a year yeah. because we are both fully vaccinated. Yeah. We've gotten the shots. We've waited the time period. With all the expert insight out there, this is acceptable for us to do now. But we're <laughs> already tired of each other. Like, like, that's the irony of it. We're leaning back as far as we can right. in our chairs. <laughs> like, maybe we do need interwebs and distance Ooh. between us, Ben. But this well, is how podcasts have been done since iPods came out. You either do it alone or you're in person. Back in the olden times. In the old podcast. times. So we've been doing it weirdly. That's true. It's exciting. That's true. Well, in addition to this being about summer vacation, summer break, and all that fun stuff, we're enjoying some summer beverages yeah. during this recording. Cheers, Cheers to you. Happy first in-person recording. Indeed. It's very exciting. I am enjoying a nice lager called South Sun Ooh. by Rubens. Bruce. I have a stemless red wine glass that has the state of Washington with a heart in the middle. Oh. And knowing how much of a true crime podcast lover you are, I'm drinking 19 Crimes, The Punishment. A nice. Pinot. I like a good Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. I did send you a hot headline this week that they are rebooting Darkwing Duck. Oh, that's right. Which I think is a property you loved as a kid growing up. Very much love Darkwing Duck. How do you feel about a reboot of the series coming back? In theory, it's a good thing. But reboots always get tricky. But it's a cartoon. So, yeah. like, it would be different if it was live action. A live a action li no, Darkwing no, 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 no. Duck. Sorry, let me just be clear. I think reboots of live action shows oh, are trickier. I thought you were wishing for like a Howard the Duck style live action oh, Darkwing Duck. Oh, wow. <laughs> Nightmare Town. <laughs> Nightmare Town. 
No, no, no. They tried to do a live action tick and it looked ridiculous. Did you watch it? The, the TV series? I didn't, but it looked, I love the cartoon. The live action just, I think they tried to do two live they actions. They did two live actions. And they both looked terrible. I hated the first one. The second one was actually pretty funny. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is reboot of a uh, cartoon. Why not? Give yeah. it a try. Let's see how it goes. They had a very successful reboot of DuckTales. A couple, two or three years ago, that was actually quite beloved. People enjoyed it. Kind of an updated animation style. It's like Marvel. It's a whole duck reboot. Every duck in Disney property, which Howard the Duck is a Marvel property. There was a Howard the Duck Easter egg in one of the Guardians movies. I think it was the second. No, volume one. Oh, he's in it. He's in like the collector's in nowhere. Tube or I think whatever. they're in nowhere or whatever. Yes. The giant head. Yeah. It's a great catch. Yeah. One of our classmates is just like waiting for us to shut up so they can do the morning <laughs> announcements. They're like, Ugh. it's the last day before summer break, so they want to get the heck out of here. Yeah, we got to learn about all the uh, pool parties that will be going on that we won't be invited to. <laughs> parties. Oh my god, that brings back memories of like getting invited to pool parties or not. Like, mm-hmm. whose pool party are we get invited to? Oh yeah. Did we crash a pool party? Very political. That you weren't invited to? I wouldn't have cared that much. <laughs> I really wouldn't have. I would have been like, eh, whatever. <laughs> You don't want me there. I don't want to be there. I did once, and the excitement is like how long you can get there before the host figures out and remembers that you weren't invited. Mm. I was there about a half an hour before the host was like, hey, you're not invited to this party. Oh, wow. You got uninvited. Yeah. It was a private pool. It was like their house. So I get it. But I was going along like with other people who were invited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was not a nice person. Ugh. I'm sorry. I've delayed enough. No, it's fine. Let's get those sweet morning announcements going. <laughs> Attention 80s high, I'm Rowdy Roddy Piper here to share today's homeroom announcements. Follow the 80s high podcast Instagram for tips on how to crack that Rubik's Cube. Today's lunch menu will be mystery meat. Thank you and have a totally radical day. Go Mogwais! We're sorry, if your name is Benjamin, you are not invited to the pool party this weekend at Susie's. I need to refill my pink slips for um, oh my gosh. people in the hall. Your hall monitor action. <laughs> the hall oh monitor gosh. action. Well, that's why you're. That's why you have no friends. No one wants to right. go to the pool party. You're handing out pink <laughs> slips. Like, There's no tomorrow. Counter. Oh my god. Uh, well, okay. We are talking about summer vacation, summer break, summer memories, all those wonderful things that we loved when the school year was done. Ooh-hoo. Magical times. Let's head to first period history class and maybe learn a little bit about where those summer vacations came from. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary defines vacation as... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) So back in the Roman Empire, between classes... Vacay was originally a Roman derivative of vacasarias. (laughs) Oh, man. So we're in history class. We are here to learn about where things came from. And this is kind of a different thing because it's not a movie or a property or a book where we can say, here's the origin story. Right. How do you do the origin of summer vacation? We don't. Let's head to chemistry class. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. There's no no first period. When you edit that, like do like a half of a fake bell. (laughs) And then just come back. That would be amazing. Okay, just kidding. (laughs) All right. So... In the spirit of this, I just wanted to do kind of a back and forth, a round robin of when you think of summer, what are things that come to your mind? Heat. Vacations. Sun. Beaches. Water. Road trips. This is weird, but like leaves, like like the trees have blossomed, flowers Mm. are out. Yeah, leaves. Visiting my grandparents. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would have said visiting family too. Uh, Like swimsuits. Amusement parks. Uh, Rollerblades. Fresh summer berries. Ooh, is that a band? The Fresh uh, Summer Berries? That's our, that's our new band. Yeah. Our 80s <laughs> retro wave band. 
Oh my god, I love that. Hey guys, we're the French Summer Bears. We're the French Summer Bears. <laughs> oh, what else do I have? I mean, bike riding. Obviously. For sure. Backyard barbecues. Oh yeah. <gasps> Ooh, I got a really good one. Lightning bugs. That's next on my really? list. That is oh actually that's the next thing I was cheers. gonna read. Clink, oh, clink. cheers to that. Chink. That's amazing. The problem is metal on glass doesn't cling very well, but I could just drop the glass Ring. on the floor. I'll put in a sound just break it. I'll, I'll put in a sound effect. <laughs> clink. Mm. Mm. Amazing. Water balloon fights slash super soaker fights. Oh, super good. Laying a tarp out at night and watching for shooting stars. Ugh. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Running through sprinklers or the ever deadly slip and slide. Oh, that was driving me nuts. Did I finally, I, I did it during D&D the other night where it was crocodile run. Yeah. Like, you run, you dive, you hit the bump and you take yeah. a dive, take a slide. Play the real thing in here when we do it. <laughs> <laughs> you always bully me into playing Come on, play some clips. People love oh, the nostalgia yeah. clips. Um, ooh, building forts in the woods, Calvin oh, yeah. Hobbs style. Oh yeah. Staying up late. Oh, for sure. With my um, cryptozoologist programming and the little TV <laughs> in my room. Slash unsolved Slash. mysteries. Uh, I'll piggyback off that and say sleepovers. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then one more I had, which I will agree with this one, but to me, this is year-round ice cream. Oh, yeah. Granted, a lot of people do associate it with summer, but this dude's going to eat ice cream 24-7, no. 365. No, no, right. <laughs> ice cream is a... Is a breaks. Is a year-long treat. Yeah, but obviously on those hot summer days, nothing better. Nothing better. Dripping down the wrists. Anything else that we can think of? No, Did our great. class of 80s high members have some other similar memories? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, absolutely. I think bike riding was prime on oh, our respondents. Oh my goodness. Absolutely, yes. Love a little bike ride. Um, a little BMX action. I do want to ask, did you did you have an ice cream truck that ever came through any of your neighborhoods? So a little bit. Or like by um, the community pool or something? So I moved around a lot. I think I've mentioned on the podcast. And in some of the locations, Yes. Uh, my grandparents had definitely did, but it was sort of on the tail end of going out of style, so you just didn't see them as much. Okay. I do remember them. Oh, yeah. I do remember wanting to go out there, and I mostly remember when I was told no. Was oh, like, no. no. Devastated. Yeah. They always pulled up to the community pool oh, near yeah. my neighborhood, oh, yeah. and then, uh, yeah, they'd actually come in our neighborhood, and you would hear, like, the pop goes the wheel, like, doop 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 boop Oh, yeah. You'd run out, and you'd try and grab, like, a melty, pathetic, uh, like, Chernobyl-surviving Leonardo like, oh, yeah. Ninja Turtle pop. Oh, yeah. So here's what our class of 80s high answered that we haven't already said. Okay. Uh, camping. Mm. Throwing the Nerf Vortex ball. Oh, Like you remember it had the yeah. extended tail that would like whistle oh, sometimes yeah. too? That was oh, pretty yeah. rad. Tennis. Backyard mm. campfires. Oh, yeah. Sand volleyball. Oh. Sailing, water skiing. Okay. And trips to the Michigan and Indiana dunes. We have some outdoor adventure. I want to hang out with this person because they had good summers I growing love up. That's amazing. This is awesome. Spending time with the family and hanging out on the beach. Okay. And then lastly, this classmate said, we also played tennis ball, which was just baseball in the street with a tennis ball and tons of swimming and diving. Is this at my Calvin ball? They're just making things yeah, up. Yeah. No, did you? Did, so <laughs> I had that for way later in the show, but that triggers for me. Like, did you ever play cul-de-sac baseball? Not cul-de-sac, but we would play stuff like out in the street. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I definitely remember doing that. And of course, like the car would come and you're like, eh, Great, great. At one of the cul-de-sacs in our neighborhood, there was a sewer grate right at the end. That was home plate. And then we set up, like, bases elsewhere, and, like, all the kids would come, but it was every age. So you would have, like, from six-year-olds to, like, juniors in high school. I remember it was so iconic. Like, the big kid goes up to home plate to play, and if you're, like, in the field, you run, like, seven houses down the street. Mm. And they would just crank it. And, of course, the tennis ball would, like, 
pelt cars on the side of the road oh, yeah. that are parked. They would run into houses. Oh, yeah. And if you're playing the field, your goal was always to try and retrieve the tennis ball and get it back to the pitch as fast as possible. So, like, for some reason in your brain, the neighbor whom was just pelted with the ball wouldn't realize what was going on. Right. We were so sneaky. Speaking of antics, I do remember at my dad and stepmom's house, when I would go visit them, there was a group of kids I played with, and we would do this weird thing where when a car came by, we act like we were fighting. Like, <laughs> like one of them was like, one of us is riding a bike, and the other one, like, punches them and, like, knocks them off the bike, and we do this, like, stunt fall, and we thought it was the funniest were you hoping they would stop to like try ever. and help you or something or like i don't know what it? our end goal was we were just oh having God. fun <laughs> okay good so, so you mentioned like the last week of school kind of leaning into that final bell and i have a question for you mm. does the word field day mean anything to you field day oh my god i forgot about field day for sure so like you know by the time you get to high school or whatever you're taking finals and garbage like that but it's like back in elementary school i remember the last at least one day, if not two days, you just went outside and played all kinds of games. You ran around. It was like dividing the school into teams. And some of the games are very normal. Like mm-hmm. you just played soccer or tag football. But then there are like crazy made up games. Actually, we had an awesome gym teacher whose name was Mr. Timmers. And on field day, he would set up what he called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And he had set up an obstacle course in the gym that involved, like, those scooters. You'd get on the scooters on the ground. Oh, yeah. And, like, push stuff along. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember there was a turtle hop where there were, like, foam frisbees. And you had, to, you had to put a foot on each foam frisbee and slide across the ground. You would climb the gym ropes. Yeah. He had a big staircase. And in the end was a giant wrestling mat. You had to climb up those stairs and then jump off. Wow. Like, five feet down through the yard on the wrestling mat. And that was the big finish. You kind of had, like, a double dare. For field like day. A- <laughs> yes! It was kind of like a double dare! It's <laughs> amazing. So, like, field day, that to me is, like, a, a massive thing. Like, oh, my God, that was, like, in yeah. the school year. So, speaking of school years, where did school years come from? Now you're going to put the history in the history class. Now we're actually going to get to history. Okay, good. 20 minutes in, however long we've been talking. <laughs> it's been great. So, while the origins of, like, a summer holiday break often are believed to be rooted in what? You actually mentioned this to me earlier. I brought this up and you said, oh, oh it's right. because like, my we have ass- summer breaks because. My assumption, which I'm excited to see if it's right or wrong, is farming season. The kids have to be out in the fields for spring to help their families plant. And then they've still got to be there end of summer, fall for harvesting. But then the in-between time, winter, they could be at school and not need to be a regular hand on the farm, was my guess. So the commonly mentioned yeah. thing is that Summer was off because we have a very agrarian, agricultural, like, right. history going up through, like, the all the way into the, the 1800s. Right. They needed the kids to help tend the crops. And that is not true. <gasps> dun, 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 dun. As a matter of fact, schools that were often in rural areas were in uh, winter and summer because the kids were needed during the spring and the fall for crops. So it was actually kind of counter to that. There's a different reason we actually went to more of the summer break. And it actually has more to do with upper class, I'm just going to say white people. That blew my mind because I that's I think what a lot of people assume, but it's yeah. not true. So the modern school calendar has its roots in 19th century school reform movements where we were trying to standardize all of these schools because we had schools uh. everywhere and there was like no standardization, no oh. system of what to do or not to do. So you're like, this school runs from June to mid-July. Right. This school is a 12-month school. So like as individual schools started to merge, they created school districts. When you have a school district, oh. you have administrators. When you have administrators, they look around and say, wait a second, 
we have all of these inconsistencies, not only what's being taught, mm. but how long and when and all this mm. kind of stuff. So then it's like, okay, well, we need a standard calendar across this region of our school district. And then once you have all that standardization in place and there's like laws around mm. compulsory education, then what ends up happening is like, well, there's this general growing sentiment that maybe education is an essential component to American childhood. So that became sort of the prevailing. It wasn't until then people. that they were like, education might be important for kids. Yeah. Maybe we should teach them something besides when to put soybeans in and when to pluck them back out. We're talking like late 1800s, early 1900s. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was so recent. Looking internationally, most countries, we're talking like two to three months uh, for a vacation, like a break. You know, we always think summer months, obviously middle of the year, because that's when it's hot and warm, but we're in the northern hemisphere. Oh, interesting. Go in to the, the southern hemisphere. In the upside down. We're talking like end of year, beginning of the year. So a lot of the breaks are like the December to March range if you're in a country in the southern hemisphere. So, you know, summer holidays, often like people are like, okay, it's a time for children to relax, enjoy themselves, catch up on their studies, spend time with family and relatives. And this is often a time when families travel. And so yes. one of the reasons summer became the standard, again, not because of the rural farm communities, but more so for the urban communities where the upper class, again, white folks mostly live, who decided we have the money and the means, this is when we want to travel. And so that kind of is really what made it be that when everything was standardized, it was summer. What's also interesting is, you know, school holidays have huge effects on countries. Price of travel and hotel, like travel accommodations, mm. generally increase, right? More Spike, people going. For sure. Increase, going to make more money. Demand, supply, we got it. Exactly. Obviously, when there's more people traveling in the summer, we know it here, although it's bad all year round, traffic congestion. Oh, my God. <sighs> and then in other countries where there's more public transportation, there's a huge strain on trains and buses and yeah. other forms of public transportation. So much so that in some countries, like the Netherlands, they stagger their holiday breaks so that it's not everybody like this massive oh, swarm of people. Like they all break on. it by like districts or provinces or something. That's genius. So if you don't live near your friends or your family, you're like, hey, I'm off in July. Do you want to hang out? And they're like, oh, sorry, we're on in July. Right. We're not till August. Do we ever yes. overlap? Right. Oh, fascinating. Okay. Right. So there are some people who are against summer vacation. Who in their right mind would be anti-summer vacay? Because there's a perception that there's a negative impact. Have you ever heard of summer learning loss? I would assume you're losing the momentum of your education. You've been building on a unit all year in biology. You're learning about mitochondria and other other things in the cell. And then, boom, June. And you don't even think about it for three months. And all of a sudden, you back. don't even know what plagioclase feldspar is, <laughs> for instance. Do I need to call a doctor? What, are you okay? <laughs> That's amazing. So summer learning loss is this idea that your loss of learning that you experience because of the interruption in education, exactly what you said, Ooh. right? The problem is the exact consequences of this are unclear at best. Oh, yeah. Whereas advocates for summer break say kids can get much needed time away from some of those childhood stressors. Not only heavy homework load, peer pressure, bullies, clicks, bullies all that kind of stuff. So this gives them a little respite from Well, that. and as someone who has dedicated my career... To promoting education outside of the classroom. Sure. I am a very big proponent of how much you can learn and grow in the summertime period. Indeed. 
with travel and what you choose to read on your own and what you do is still all very educational and important to developing a well-rounded human being. Believe it or not, education can happen outside of a classroom. Yeah. Let's just blow some minds on this podcast. It can be done. With respecting still the amazing sacrifice and work teachers make. For sure. I mean, for low pay, the hours that are put in, dealing with children. You guys deserve all the money on earth. So we talked about getting around. How do Americans get around? The United States is very well known for being a, I would say, overly car-focused society. The automobile. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. So automobiles are obviously a powerful symbol of what? Modernity, right? This is new. It's Mm. this cutting edge. It's state of the art. It's individual freedom. It's mobility. It's independence. Right, right, right. Those are like the three tenets of the U.S. Sure. Also, cars are linked to like a profound economic change, particularly with like businesses. Think of it. There are entire industries that exist just to facilitate building and selling automobiles, right? Absolutely. Glass, rubber. You know, there's companies out there now that just make a gasket that goes on a thing, right? That's their whole purpose. A fuel pump, uh, whatever, right? Windshield wipers. That's our entire existence. Exactly. So when you think about that entire supply chain, those are all businesses that then go to this car that's manufactured, Ooh. and then it goes to the dealership where there's going to be the salespeople who Ooh. try to sell it to you. Mm-hmm. And then what do you have to do to that car? You got to refill it. You're going to take it farther distances. You want to go to a destination. So this just has a huge economic boom. Well, that's the physical part. Because then you've got like insurance. Well, you've got the paperwork all around it. Great point. All the supports facilities, like how parking how much, tickets, yeah, parking tickets. <laughs> how much of our beautiful city AAA. <laughs> is taken up by by parking garages that yeah. could be green right. space or right. housing? Yeah, it's crazy. So in the beginning of the 1920s, so there are a lot of soldiers returning from World War One, and they were buying automobiles. By 1920, there were over eight million car registrations. Okay, get to the end of that decade, 23 million. Holy so crap. nearly what are, three times as many. It's too many. So that was out of control. An explosion. And of course, like at that time, like Ford cars, particularly like the Model T, they were inexpensive and, you know, they were reliable. And so this Mm. became like a really great form of transportation. Okay. So Ben, Mm. you said we almost rely too much on automobiles. Have you heard the term that the U.S. has a love affair with the automobile? Uh, No. It's America's love affair with the automobile. I don't like it. I hear it every day in my home as cars roar by down the street. (laughs) The reason I bring this up is because I was looking at this article from Scientific American, and the author of this article, Jeremy Sue, uh, this is in 2012, interviewed Peter Norton. Peter is a historian of technology at University of Virginia. And he said, you know, back in like the start of the 20th century, like pedestrians were crowding streets. At that time, you had people walking alongside horse-drawn wagons, you had carriages, you had trolleys, and kids were actually playing in the street. Other things we were, like, yelled at not to do. Sure, car, and you pull the hockey net out of the street, come on. Not surprisingly, a lot of car accidents. Why? Because a horse is not traveling at 30 miles an hour (laughs) down a cobblestone street. Oh, my God. But a Model T just might be, right? Right. So a lot of accidents, and it created this strong public backlash against automobiles. And Norton was saying that he even found newspapers at that time where they had drawn cartoons of the Grim Reaper driving an automobile running over children. I mean, has anything changed? It feels still accurate. (laughs) They're death machines. So, big PR crisis. Sure. What do you think the automotive industry does? Who do they mobilize? What dirtbag unit of their companies do they mobilize? I, well, (laughs) until you said dirtbag, I had a different guess. My honest opinion was that 
knowing the time and when this all happened, mafia. So to use a binism, there's a listener right now punching the steering wheel, screaming no, into I the know. It's speaker. Some, I know what the dirt bag is. marketer. It's the marketers. No, it's the mafia. They went out and broke some legs. Cars so, are happening. Get over so, it. So these low life marketers, oh my God. this scum of the earth. No. Uh, <laughs> So these companies wage a psychological campaign I'm to sure. get pedestrians out of the street. I'm sure. They invented the term jaywalking. Really? Yes. Do you know the origin of it? Do you know why it's called jaywalking? Did you find Did you have it? Yeah. That? It's in reference to a jaybird, which is a loud bird. So basically you're calling people a loud idiot. They're essentially shaming people out of the streets by saying, you're a rube, an imbecile, you're oh my behind God. the times. Oh my God. Get out of the street, hillbilly. That's so not okay. And then lastly, the popular phrase, America's love with the automobile, is totally made up. It's not a real thing. We don't really love it. Guess where it came from? Where did it come from? A TV show called Merrily We Roll Along. It was part of a DuPont series of the week in 1961. DuPont, as we all know, is a massive chemical conglomerate, right? Sure, sure, sure. And they happen to own a large percent of stock in one General Motors. Oh. This is getting deep, man. And in fact, Groucho Marx was the narrator, you know, of Duck Soup, Marx Brothers fame, right? Oh, I went slightly. Like that guy, right? So Groucho Marx uses the phrase in his narration of the show, and it starts to stick in people's minds. So this Norton guy, this historian, goes back and he said, I could not find usage of this phrase prior to 1961. Wow. And he said, once that happened... Boom. It just became part of the lexicon. It's seen by millions of people. And then it's just that feedback loop. And all of a sudden, we don't even realize it's an invented term. We just think, oh, it's an actual thing. It's common knowledge. Much like you were like, yeah, you don't do school in the summer because of farming. We all think it's true. It's not. Mm. How do you feel about that? How do you feel? How do you feel? I feel horrible. (laughs) And what, what what I just looked up makes me feel even worse. In 2020, auto manufacturers... Spent on lobbying to Congress. Yeah. $38 million. That feels low. And for direct donations to representatives, congresspeople, $6 million, which that feels lower than I thought it was going to be. $38 million, though, is a lot of money. Given that the automobile industry is, I don't even know how it's many like billions of dollars. M- yeah. The dollar industry. I'm actually, sure. that feels shockingly low. Mm. Persuasion dollars, though. They're not putting money in there to build more high-speed rail. I'll tell you that right now. Let's just say... Not the case. Not the case. So the last thing I want to get into specifically about the automobile, just because I feel like this is another iconic piece of summer in the United States. If you think of one thoroughfare in everyone's mind, like this is summer, this is the automobile, this is travel in the United States. Do you know the name of that thoroughfare? I know you know the name. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? I'm trying not to give it away to you. It's the highway. The highway. Well, no, but there's a specific route I'm thinking of. Oh, Route 66? Route where you get your 60, kicks. Get your kicks on Route 66. I have road tripped all of Route 66. Okay. I have done Chicago to LA. A great example. So, yes, indeed. This is the very first all-weather highway that would link Chicago to LA. There you go. Do you realize that this route reduced the travel distance from Chicago to LA by 200 miles. That's significant. That's a lot. So we did Route 66 and Highway 101 and then came back east on 80 after Eureka. It was a little over 7,000 miles was the total drive. Wow. So 200 is a nice little, and that could, but we did California. So if you just come back straight on Route 66, 200 is a nice little shave. Obviously, Route 66, part of that big deal of like you start connecting people, folks can get farther places. All of a sudden now you create other industries, not only like refueling stations, hotel accommodations, restaurants, 
Roadside attractions. Like, this oh was kind of the birth of those roadside attractions. The world's largest ball of yarn. Americana. The slice of Americana, sure. right? Well, you know, the, and the ostentatious legends of Route 66 are because you had these competing diners and hotels, mm. and they had to make themselves more attractive to the commuters, mm. and so they'd put, like, a giant full-size dinosaur out front, or they'd put a full-size Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox, right? because it was more interesting than the undecorated hotel down the road. So that's why you have all these weird things all along Route 66. Right. So the last thing I want to talk about in history class is just, like, summer vacations. I was trying to think back, like, okay, well, what were people doing, and where were they going in in the 80s. It was a little tricky, but I did find a few things. So, you know, obviously we come into the 80s, it's recession time. We talked about it on our Miracle on Ice episode. We had the gas shortage and just like really hard times coming out of the 70s. Mm. It was just not the best time for the US, but really by the mid 80s, we've gone from like recession to almost excess. And this is also a decade where like, where there's a little more expanding taste and sophistication particularly when we're thinking about like traveling outside of the United States and it's becoming a little more feasible with like air travel and just prices of travel and all that good stuff. Yeah. So some of the hotspots for Americans in the 80s. Oh, okay. Australia. What? Japan. Those are so far away. Go big, man. Go big. Wow. Okay. Thailand. Whoa. So that was sort of abroad. And I was like, okay, well, what about like domestic travel around the US, like road trips and so forth? Here's some things that came up. Disneyland, Disney World. Sure, of course. Obvi. Talking about Florida still, like Fort Lauderdale. I've never been to Fort Lauderdale. Daytona Beach. Niagara Falls. A lot of East Coast interests. Florida and Niagara Falls. Poconos. The Poconos. I feel like that's in a lot of 80s properties where they talk about going to the Poconos. Probably. Las Vegas, obviously. Of course. Again, probably since its inception. The Catskill Mountains, which, Dirty Dancing. Oh, really? That's Dirty Dancing? Yeah. The Catskills. Catskills. Palm Springs. Oh, wow. Again, still a big destination. Yellowstone. The most traveled national park. Uh, New Orleans. Huh. And another thing, which is not a destination, but cruises. Like, cruises became oh, kind sure. of a thing back then. Is that really, right? is that like when cruises took off with the I don't 80s? know if they took off, but they were definitely popular during the 80s. Fort Lauderdale, the Bahamas, I bet, is like the biggest cruise that uh, was Yeah. What was a carnival? If you could see me now. <laughs> so you Kathy remember Lee. the carnival theme song? Kathy Lee. Oh, gee, holy, wow, you better believe it if my friends could see me now. Something like that. That was so impressive. Well, without further ado, let's continue our chemistry discussion because, quite frankly, we were already, like, whispering (laughs) about chemistry in history class. And let's talk about what is our experience with summer vacations. This is So this was like, you know, the last week of school. It's so flexible because like even the teachers would like mix up a little bit like for school right. day. Exactly. So we're not moving. We're being a little loosey-goosey. Right. The day. chemistry teacher's coming to the room and we're not leaving. Right. We're going with the flow. Do we get a bell? Ben. Yes. We have so much to talk about. We do. With these memories. Yes. So we asked our class of 80s high, did you have an annual family summer trip? And uh, the numbers did not come out how I thought they would. Okay. 60% said no. Really? The majority of the class of 80s high did not have an annual summer family vacation. Wow. Which I thought was really fascinating. Indeed. Uh, but for those who did, I asked, how'd you get there? And per your wonderful introduction, <laughs> two thirds said road trip. Told you. And very similarly, a third said they took a van. A van, a yeah, van. yeah, yeah. Big family oh, van. I got, a, I got a van story for you. I got, I got a van story. Is it oh, one we can talk on the podcast? Because I know another van story that you probably can't share on the podcast. Do you? What was the one with the college thing and all the drunk people you drove to like McDonald's and they were suburban. really rude? That was a suburban. Close to a van. It's a cousin. Close. It's a monster. So yeah, van trips, obviously van trip. a big deal. Like I said, I got a van story. 
But I do, I've been blabbing a lot, so I do want to hear summer trips you took. Any, like, sort of flashbulb memories that really stick with you? I have two critical trips, because we always took a summer family vacation to a beach on the Atlantic Ocean. Uh It was always our thing. Did you do Myrtle Beach? That is one of the two major trips we're going to talk about. Oh, that's so, that's it's so, so Ohio. I love it. It's so Ohio. <laughs> and what I feel really fortunate about this, preparing for this episode, is in the 80s, my father bought one of those giant camcorders that you put like a VHS tape in. Like the shoulder mount. Yes, it had the shoulder pad. Oh, yeah. And he recorded some home videos in the 80s. And we don't have a lot. We've got like a good handful of like four or five. Since we're blending classes, you're going to love this this blend here. Because I'm going to do chemistry. I'm going to Quentin Tarantino on you. I'm going to jump back to history. And then we're going to come back. I love it. So in the 80s, my family, which on these trips was comprised of my parents, my brother, myself, my mother's parents. Uh, and then sometimes like my mother's like two cousins. And like that was kind of it. It was, it was not a massive family trip. Wait, are these road trips? So we would all drive separately. Okay, meet I was going to say, that's a, a lot of people. So, in yeah, too many people for one oh, Okay. So in our powder blue station wagon, right. it was my parents, my brother and I. It was not one of the cool ones that had the back seat that faced the people behind you, though. With a faux wood panel, too. Yes, of course. The, uh, what do you, what, uh, there was like a term for that. Beaver whack or something. I forget what that it was called. Interesting. We used to call them like woody wagons. Woodies. So anyway, my family in the 80s started off with these beach trips going to Ocean City, New Jersey. And the whole thing was like they would they would rent an apartment or like um, a hotel room, and most of the whole event was just hanging out in beach chairs. However, mm. now we're gonna go back in time because the family in the eighties stopped going to Ocean City. Oh, for a very specific reason. Nineteen eighty seven to nineteen eighty eight, there was a massive environmental disaster affecting much of New England where a lot of medical waste, including raw garbage and hypodermic needles, started washing up on shore. This was called the syringe tide. And it caused most of the beaches along the northeastern Atlantic coast in the United States to close. It was finally traced to the Fresh Kills landfill on Staten Island. After a ton of lawsuits, New York City only had to pay... $1 $1 million for pollution damages and the cleanup, but no reparations to a year, like a season, of lost tourism business. That sounds like they got off scot-free. Totally. Jersey Shore alone lost $1 billion in tourism revenue from that summer from its normal $7.7 billion it would do every summer. So that million dollars went a long way is what you're talking <laughs> Right, right. Really, <laughs> really brought them back. <laughs> And this fear of the needles was made even worse because in the 80s, of course, we had the AIDS epidemic. Right. And people were very afraid of touching needles. We still didn't know much about AIDS at that time. Absolutely not. So then uh, they started this New Jersey Harbor Estuary Program, which is this really impressive, you should go read up on it, this extensive pollution management program. They're like, we can never let this happen again. Wow. Tourism is a massive business. We can't lose this again. It's been really highly successful. And the last part of this you'll love, it's like a whole 80s high podcast condensed into one story because I've got chemistry, history, and now I'm going to do contemporary culture. (laughs) Um, Because Billy Joel's 1989 We Didn't Start the Fire has a line, hypodermics on the shore, which is about this event. And you and I both love Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Indeed. And there's an episode called The Gang Goes to the Jersey Shore. And Frank and Mac get covered in needles while they're on the beach, which is all a reference back to the syringe tide. Amazing. That caused my family to relocate this annual tradition farther south to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. 
Let me hand the ball back to you. Was there a central annual trip you made with family? So we did not have an annual trip per se, but I feel like most summers we took at least some kind of trip. So the ones I remember most fondly are in my grandparents' van. We're talking this old, full-size, I think it's like a 1978 GMC van. And you would just park it in the backyard and pretend you were going somewhere. I was making all the noises. It was great. (laughs) So it would be like my mom, my grandmother, sometimes my grandfather. He didn't always travel with us. My brother and myself. Sometimes our cousins would come along with us. I almost never remember the destinations. I remember having so much fun in the van. Sure. We ran around. We were not. ran in the van. We were not, folks, we were not buckled at any point in time. So dangerous. So we're walking around. We would go into the back and like play. We're like doing all these scenarios like I'm asleep and a murderer is going to come in and attack us. We're doing the whole thing where you're asking the truckers to blow their horn. Pulling the arm down like, on the side, for sure. We're doing that. And then the other thing we would do is surfing is we'd be in the back standing up as we're going like this over bumps. This is so dangerous. What are you kids are crazy. It's the 80s. It's the 80s. <laughs> Nobody was trying to protect children in the 80s. Which is accurate. It was just a thing. It yeah. Was a thing. It was a thing. We had so much fun. So this van, I have so many cherished memories of it. And I remember on a couple trips where like, it was just my brother and I in the back. So I got like a whole bench seat to myself. Oh my God. What luxury. As a kid who had to share a bedroom You're with a, king. a messy older brother. Such a king. Like I was such a little neat freak and he was messy. Yeah. And so like we always had a shared space. And so like to have a whole bench seat to myself was a slice of heaven for young Chris. I feel like it, I mean, we talked about this on a Game Boy episode where like an essential component of road tripping are the things you as a child choose to bring along to entertain right. yourself. Do you remember what your fetishes were that you brought along on this trip in your in your little kid bag? So action figures. Could have been G.I. Joe. Could have been Mask. It could have been Transformers. Amazing collection. It could have been like Hot Wheels, Legos. I was a big Legos kid, so it could have been that. Like, and then I think like I would sometimes bring a book. The Beverly Cleary probably, collection? Well, probably my Judy Bloom books. Oh, okay, 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 okay. And probably like Mad Libs or... Oh, Mad Libs! Something like that. Yeah! We took all kinds of road trips. We went to all different places. I know we went to like Gatlinburg a lot. Oh my God, we went to Gatlinburg. I remember Gatlinburg. We would drive down to Florida. We would go to, uh, I think we went to Mackinac Island one time. Like we'd go to like all these different places, but I rarely remember the destinations. I always remember being in the van. So much fun. So are you trying to say the takeaway is it's the journey, not the destination? One could say that. One could (laughs) say that. That That is one take. You know, real quickly, the other memories I had, we're going to Florida. My grandparents, when I was, I think, in first or second grade, yeah, moved down to Florida. Okay. My aunt had moved down previously. I was pretty young when she moved down there. Whereabouts? Because Florida. Sarasota. Sarasota. My grandparents moved down there. And so, like, sometimes we'd road trip down there. But it became a tradition where I would fly by myself. Because my brother and I have different dads. So these oh, are yeah, yeah, yeah. his yeah. grandparents. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. The, the ones we did the road trip in, those are both our grandparents. I follow. But, so sometimes we would do, like, I would go somewhere and my brother Jim would do something else. And so yeah. I would get on an airplane, fly by myself. This <gasps> is back in the day Wait, when how, they could walk you up to the gate. How old are you right now? I would have been in like third or fourth grade third or roughly fourth grade, when it started flying alone on an airplane but again this is in the day when you can walk someone up to the gate yeah you don't have to have a ticket on an airplane to go through security oh, that's at right. this point yeah, in time yeah, yeah, remember yeah. so they can walk me up there and that's when you tell the airline and they like look after you so they like escort you to your seat and then when you get off the airplane your family's waiting right outside we're the gonna need to take a hard slowdown on the momentum of your story 
tell us about your third grade experience on an airplane by yourself. I was usually bored because you're just kind of sitting there. There are no movies at this time. I bring, you know, like a book or something to do, but it's like you didn't have a ton of stuff to do. Were there movies like the like the TVs down the no, row? Like remember you didn't they used to not have a personal TV. It was like TVs. Yeah, but that's for long flights. Roof. I just remember sitting in the airplane and like I was excited to get there. I love get off the airplane Chris and actually airplane do it by himself. That's but, a wonderful vision. So visiting my grandparents was a lot of fun. This is the great memories I have. Yeah. They were golfers. So okay. I got to drive the golf cart. Oh, that's awesome. Even though I was not supposed to. I was too young to. For sure. I had zero incidents. I did this for years, folks. I was a good driver. I'm impressed. We'd go to amusement parks. Tampa has amusement parks. Orlando, of course, has oh, Bush tons. Tampa, You've World. got your Disney World yeah, yeah. complex. You've got your Universal Studios. Do you have a fave between three Bush Gardens? There's also a SeaWorld in Orlando. SeaWorld? Went to SeaWorld. SeaWorld, Bush Gardens. There's also like a botanical gardens we went to. Disney or Universal? Do you have a favorite? Universal. Great choice. The Back to the Future ride. <gasps> Speaking of the 80s, was so much. When that came out, that was. You got your ride in. Which course. is gone now. It is. Most else. of the 80s rides are all gone. Sure. They've replaced it with something That's different. That's awesome. You got your ride in. It was a lot Epic. of fun. That's cool. And then, you know, going to the beach. For sure. And it's on the Gulf Coast to get to go to the beach. I just remember I had oh, a lot sure. of fond memories going down there, kind of carefree. And yeah. it was a one time a year I got to see those grandparents. And we had a good time. It's beautiful. It's great. Perfect segue of the beach. Okay. To remember, my house had to abandon our lands of Jersey for more fertile beaches farther south, Myrtle Beach. You know, in the Pacific Northwest, when you go to a beach, it's rocky, it's cold, not necessarily very comfortable to get in, but there's still water sports. Sure. And you can't see more than like a mile. Because the coast is very bendy. You know, yeah. there's like a lot of turns. Oh, yeah. But you go to Myrtle Beach, an ocean of human beings oh, on yeah. yellowish sand. Large waves rolling in. Like big waves. Oh, yeah. And it goes on. As a child, I felt hundreds of miles. But you it's just like, look and it never ends. It's like Daytona Beach. Like yeah. that, that is Florida to me in a nutshell. Is you just look one direction, you look the other, and it is just endless beach. Endless and it sort beach. of fades out in this sort of like salty mist mm, in the distance. Mm-hmm. And then it's a very deep beach. So oh, you're, yeah. you're talking like 100 yards of a deep beach at least. Now, can you drive on Myrtle Beach like you can drive on Daytona Beach? I don't think so. Okay. I don't remember vehicles. Or like a- I know like cops had like ATVs, sure. like ripping up and down the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you've got like a, a line of seagrass and then behind the grass, you've got like endless hotels. Oh, yeah. um, and so we always stayed at the Palms, which were these two tall pastel pink towers. Right, right, right. I remember being in the pool of the hotel with my brother and my dad playing with like a little plastic lion. Like, we would be throwing this lion back and forth, and it would sink, and I had my little arm floaties, and I was trying to swim down, but like an idiot, you can't swim underwater with arm floaties on. So I have that memory, and then I remember my grandmother, I remember sitting at the kitchen bar in my grandparents' suite, and my grandmother was in the kitchen, my grandpa was sitting there at lunch, and we were pretending like we were at a diner. I was like four. Right. And my grandpa was just like, oh, it's, I always love coming here to Nana's Nana's Diner. And she made like a ham and cheese sandwich with the crust cut off. I have that vivid memory. Hmm. But just like Ocean City, it was largely about like sitting on the beach all day in those low chairs, boogie boarding, you know, little like half oh, boards yeah. in the water. I remember going out with my dad and just getting like bowled over by big waves and like oh, coming yeah. up and like, ah, my dad catching me. Do you and, remember salt water up the nose? Oh, for sure. Just oh like the gosh. sting and the fuzz and the oh, or like swallowing it or getting it in your mouth, like and like awful. the Atlantic is really salty. It's not like Caribbean where you get a little in your mouth and a. Well, the Atlantic is saltier than the Pacific Ocean. Is really indeed. I can taste that. I can taste that in the water. The Atlantic was like sharp. You sure did. I sure did. I also remember my grandmother would get up early. 
And she would have this huge sun hat on and she would take a plastic shopping bag from the grocery store and she would beachcomb and she would just collect shells. Oh, yeah. By like the hundreds. Oh, yeah. And then at home, back in her home, she would make these dishes all over the house filled with the shells as decoration. Going to Myrtle Beach is defined for me in memory by two things. Okay. Hanging on the beach, just playing a lot in the water. Yeah. And putt-putt golf. Uh, There are countless... There are two things that dot miles of Myrtle Beach. Like those surf shops that sell like bunches of weird t-shirts and like shells and thematic putt-putt golf courses. I thought you were also going to say go-karts. Oh, sure. Well, that's like often like paired with the putt-putt, right? Sometimes. 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 You're right. So answer me this. Favorite theme of miniature golf I haven't written down. I would always beg to go to the Moby Dick because there was a part at this Moby Dick Putt-putt golf course. Is this similar to a pirate theme? Very pirate theme. Like ship? Very shippy. Lots of shippy stuff. Got it. But there was a part where you would actually go like through the whale. Like there was a a couple holes inside the whale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, I remember playing that, being there in the middle of the day. I remember playing there as like the sun was setting. So many family memories around that. I loved mini golf. All the themes, right? I remember one was like adventure land and it, I don't know if there's like a strong theme, but it had a lot of like variety to the terrain. And yeah. then some are gimmicky, like there's the windmill and the little bridge. And I didn't like those as much, but like the ones like you said, where it was like, there's a waterfall and you have to like oh, yeah. avoid the water. And you're like behind the waterfall. And you're going point. into a cave. It's very cool. Yeah, like the deserted island or, you know, yeah. shipwreck island kind of themes. Pirates. I gotta assume Florida's full of those too. Oh. It's not just like a South Carolina. Endless. Besides travel, are there non-traveling memories you have of summer growing up? Well, first and foremost, we do need to reconsult the class of 80s high. Did they not give us some destinations for their summer vacations? They did indeed, and I'm so glad you brought it up. And what's interesting is they have been to some of the popular places we've mentioned. Okay. Somebody said typically they went to Daytona, Florida. Mm. We mentioned Daytona. It's a big one. I haven't spent a lot of time in Florida. Okay. We did the Disney World thing when I was too young to ride anything. Okay. And then Orlando twice in my whole life for Disney World specifically. So I don't know a lot about Florida. What What is Daytona Beach? What is like the scene? It's very touristy destination, what you would imagine. The line of hotels... You've got all of the little attractions like the miniature golf, yeah, 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 yeah. the go-karts and all that kind of stuff. The big attraction for Daytona is you can drive on the beach. So you can drive your vehicle onto the sand because it's all like packed down. Whoa. So you drive your vehicle and then you can just park in your van or your car or whatever is right there. What? And then you can rent like ATVs or sand bikes or whatever. And then you can just sort of like cruise up and See, down the beach. If we learned anything from history class, there's going to be this whole... PR campaign to shame people off the beach from walking, and it's going to become just another freaking highway. I mean, Daytona, right? Daytona is like a big racetrack, right? Yeah, it is. You heard it now. Spend your last summer at Daytona Beach this year because it's not going to be there next year. The marketing people are going to come along and Marketing ride. people. Uh, so someone else said Oxbow Lake. Oh, I don't know. And I don't know how to pronounce this, but I'm going to say Presque Isle in Wisconsin. Oh, it's okay. pre- it's spelled like Presque. Okay. And one other, which could be a great transition, is they. These are one of the people who said we didn't go on an annual trip. Okay. But this person and their brother spent two weeks every summer at their grandparents' house. Mm. Grandparents seems to be like an, uh, a common theme here. 
traveling with or going to. Yeah, if your grandparents don't live near you, that's like the one time you can go see them for an extended amount of sure. time. Or even if you did see them a lot. Like, I remember going to my grandmother's for like a week or two. Like, we would just go hang out with grandma and grandpa. We'd go over there and, you know, my cousins would come over. You know, we'd go watch movies or whatever. Like, go out yeah, yeah. eat. Oh, yeah. I already told you about all the junk food that my grandmother would like stock in the house for me so I could have my sugary cereals and <laughs> the whole box pack of, of sugar with the scoop. 24 pack of milk. How do you not have diabetes? It is insane <laughs> to me. Um, so we talked a lot about travel. We did. But are there things, other things that didn't come up in word association that were big for you that didn't involve like leaving your town in the summer? Playing in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is back in the day where I remember in the summer, I go to my friend's house, one of my best friends. His mom, I mean, really all parents were like, get out of the house. It's the summer. You do not get to stay here if it's a sunny day. You go play outside. We have no earthly clue where you are right now. Right. You will come back at lunch and then we will eject you from the house again until dinner time. But yeah, you just go and you'd ride your bike all around the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Met random kids in the neighborhood. Like, I didn't know who these people were, but like, all of a sudden they lived on your street and they were like people you played with. You maybe liked them. You maybe thought they were annoying, but they were there. Sure. When I visit my dad and my stepmom, again, get out of the house. That's what you did. Yeah, yeah. Back then. Get out. We don't care where. Go to the public pool. That was a big one. That's a huge thing. Huge thing. I also remember every time we go to the pool... When it was Adult Swim, I was all about that snack bar. I was just about to ask you, what were your go-tos at the snack bar? It would depend, because sometimes you want the salty, you get the nachos and cheese. I was going to say the same thing! I was going to nachos and cheese! Or a hot pretzel. Hot pretzel and cheese. I was a huge fan of Pretzel's okay. Like, I definitely would like the nachos more. Was there sugar you went to? (sighs) Depending on what they have. If it's just, like, the junk that's already pre-packaged, I would probably get, like, a popsicle of some kind. Yeah. I was going to go icy or slushy. Like, the shaved ice with, like, juice in it. You know, I have a lot of fond memories of going to Dairy Queen, getting Mr. <gasps> Misty's, getting the ice cream cones, yes. banana split. Yeah. There's lots of other things, but I feel like it was just the staying up late, making forts, having fun, no worries about anything, yeah. video games, mm. playing outside with friends, getting to see my friends a lot and like hang out at a friend's house for several days versus just like, hey, can I come over on a weekend real yeah. quick? Yeah. Get more time. Yeah. And then when we were older, we made like movies because my cousin had a camcorder. And so we were making like just making up like squatch hunting movies. Not like that, but we would do like, I think we did like a Miami Vice. Uh, no. Like ripoff. We did like a Cheers ripoff. We did like a, a Child's Play ripoff. Do you have these anywhere? It's on VHS, which I have no way to play a VHS, but we can find a VCR somewhere. I have one that my friends and I did in, this is in high school, so it was definitely in the 90s. Okay. We did a remake of Misery. <laughs> Stephen King. Of movie. all the things for teenage kids to be interested in, you're like, let's remake this well, two-cast person movie. But that's the thing, there's only three of us. <laughs> So I was like the director and the camera person, but then I played the the cop because there's like the cop who starts to investigate all the goings on. Right. And then one friend played Annie Wilkes and the other friend played Paul. Yeah, the the author. 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 Paul Sheldon. Paul Sheldon. I need to give all the friends a heads up who like were also into making movies when they were kids. That is a party I would love to throw. Give everyone like a good six month heads up so you could like talk to your parents to like ship VHSs out to where you are and gather everything. And just do, like, a night of showcasing our childhood movies we made, like, Mm. acting and stuff. Oh, yeah. How fun would that party be? That'd be a good time. That'd be a really good time. So, because this is going to come up in the next class, I I just want to touch on this real fast. So, similarly, like, my non-travel memories. 
in the 80s, I was living on the east coast of Connecticut. And so a lot of my memories have to do with water. There's lots of pictures from growing up, but I had like one of those kiddie pools that was like light blue. And my mom would fill it with water from the hose. And it was like ice cold. And I would sit in there as like a little, little baby playing there with the toys and stuff. Oh, yeah. That was huge. But then graduated up to our neighbors, John and Linda had an in-ground pool. And similarly, my mom was like, get out of the house. You're going to John and Linda's. And I would go down the hill and they would stay inside. Like they didn't care. And I would just play in their pool. They knew I was there. Right. But I remember Linda had a big tub in her little pool shed of like Happy Meal toys. Because she had a bunch of kids. Oh, yeah. And so they'd collect them. So you would just have these adventures in the pool with the Happy Meal toys. So they had a fence. And then behind the fence was a tree line. And behind the tree line was a big pond. And these frogs would migrate from the pond into the pool. (laughs) But because of the tile, they could not thus get out. And this was kind of the start of like my bleeding heart environmentalism. Mm. Because I would ask to go to John and Linda's so I could save the frogs from the chlorinated pool. You were rescuing I would rescue the frogs. And I would like, I would get them out of the pool, put them outside the fence, pointed towards the pond to save their lives. But then the big graduation was the ocean. So my parents... Had a small sailboat. I went sailing at a very young age and loved it. And then there was this amazing oceanside park called Chaffinch Island. I remember my parents would always check the newspaper. You would check the tide charts. And whenever it was low tide, that was always like a big thing where I'd be sitting by the newspaper while they're looking at the newspaper, waiting to hear the results of when low tide would be. Right. Because then we'd go there at low tide because the tide pools were fire. Mm. And you'd go and I'd have a little bug terrarium. I filled with some water and I had a little net and my mom would just sit at a picking table with a book and I would just hop from tide pool to tide pool collecting hermit crabs, oh, yeah. snails, and then I got bolder and like would catch crabs. I loved it. This is really like the birth of my love of like the ocean and the animals that inhabit it. Mm-hmm. Summer members. So I also want to talk about 80s summer music. There are so many songs that are about summer that just feel like summer, even if it's not like Boys of Summer. That's a big one that I think a lot of people think about. But there's others that like, it feels like summer, even though they may not say it in the lyrics. They may not label it in the title. You know what I mean? You know, it's funny you say Boys of Summer. The band in my head, which is not necessarily an 80s band, summer to me is best embodied by the Beach Boys. If I hear the Beach Boys, I can't not think about the beach and summer. So similarly, I was going to talk about summer bands, like a band that just is all summer. And Beach Boys, Boys, number one, Jimmy Buffett was the other one I could think of. I feel like everything Jimmy Buffett does feels like summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a few other ones on here. I'm going to see if you recognize these. Vacation by Go-Go's. Vacations are... Oh, Vacation's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Walking on Sunshine. I'm walking on sunshine. Katrina and the Waves. All Night Long, Lionel Richie. All Night Long, All Night. night. Yeah, that's oh. a great one. I'm Gonna Dance With Somebody, Whitney Houston. I'm Gonna Dance With Somebody Such a good one. Loves me. Sunglasses at Night, Corey Hart. I wear my oh. sunglasses at night so, so I can. Yeah. Heart of Rock and Roll, Huey Lewis and the News. Oh, I love Huey Lewis and the News. Do, 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 I'm rocking most Yeah. Cruel Summer, Bananarama. Cruel, cruel, cruel summer. I don't know if I know that one. Cruel, cruel summer. Okay, I'm going to look that one up. I like that. I, you might recognize it when it's real people singing it. Um, <laughs> You're not a real person. Some Like It High? Oh, okay. Some Like It High. Sure. 
Speaking of the Beach Boys, Wipeout, Fat Boys featuring the Beach Boys. Yeah, for sure. I feel like there's just songs that when you hear them, you can think of a particular moment in time where you were as a kid during the summer. Like, it's just that flashbulb memory. Yeah. And that's one of the great things about music. And I have a couple more examples, but I'm going to say this for contemporary culture. Beautiful. Because I want to polish off chemistry with the final memories from the class of 80s high. While one person just echoed your sentiment of loving to try and get truckers to blow their horn on the highway, mm. Mm. which I just want to say from memory, often very successful. If you were a trucker in the 80s, thanks for making childhood dreams come true. I feel like you really made it happen. And I think I've heard from parents that, like, they'll still do it. Really? I think it's still a thing. Truckers are so cool. It's great. But the other memory, this person peered into your soul, oh. Christopher, and okay. was like, I know what you want to talk about on this podcast. Okay. So we asked... Any other 1980s summer vacation memories you'd like to share? Okay. And this class member writes, The public pool for my teenage years was adjacent to a graveyard. Mm. And the diving boards literally overshadowed the headstone of a grisly 1960s murder victim known then only as, quote, Tent Girl. <sighs> She was finally identified in the 2000s by some semi-rando internet sleuth. Wild stuff, but also a legit, persistent, vivid summary memory. And then they shared a picture of the headstone. And they say, if you look at that picture, over the top right corner of the gravestone, you can make out the lifeguard's chair behind the fence. Now, I don't know anyone who's more into true crime storytelling than you are. How do you feel about this tale of summer? I think I know this tent girl story. Like, I think I know this particular unsolved murder, or at least up until this point, unsolved. Yeah. So when you told me that, like, I got kind of chills. It also just takes me back to, I think I told the story on the podcast. There was a public pool that we went to in middle school that was, like, downhill from a, a nuclear facility. Oh, my God. We know liquid runs downhill. Like a facility that was a part of the Manhattan Project. Oh my god. It was like a subset offshoot of the Manhattan Project back in the day. Did the water glow at night while you were in it? Well, so that's what I'm saying. Why are we building these things next to (laughs) nuclear facilities and graveyards? What is going on with these city planners who are like, where can we put this? How about the most terrifying spot known to any human being. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's definitely a great setting for like an 80s horror movie. Like, do you do you recall when uh, Poltergeist came out? I, I mean, I obviously remember the movie. I can't say I remember it coming out. There's a scene of one, in one of the Poltergeist films where the, the parents are digging an in-ground pool. I think it's the first one. Okay, and they end up outside, the rain's coming down. And bodies are floating. And the there's surface. bodies in the pool and they end up in the pool. Yeah. The other movie reminds me of so much is Stand By Me, which is an entire story of traveling in the summer... To go find a rumored dead body. Indeed. Interesting theme. That's very fascinating. That I didn't think was going to come up in this show. You know, it also harkens back, once again, to our uh, Unsolved Mysteries episode. Uh, Bring it a full circle. The connections. Bring it a full circle. So speaking of public pools, thinking of getting some cheesy nachos, Mm. I'm getting really hungry. I want a funnel cake right now with uh, all of that powdered sugar, ooh, that fried dough, the smell of it, and then just that sugar, just like, oh. So you call it a funnel cake. Is there a difference between an elephant ear and a funnel cake? I don't think so. I think they're the same. It's like a regional thing. It is the last week. They've got to be more liberal in the cafeteria. Let's go grab a quick bite. Oh, I can't wait. Hi, mate. What do you do when you see a crocodile? You run. 
can hit the pump and take a dive. It's Crocodile Mile, the great new water slide with splashdown pool. Yeah. And the incredible boomerang bump that sends you flying. But watch out for the crocs. You run, you slide, you hit the pump and take a dive. Crocodile Mile, with boomerang bump and giant splashdown pool. New from Marshall. You know, we talked about, like, what we did as a kid. I was just thinking, like, what are maybe your top one or two memorable adult summer vacations that you took? So most of my best friends today I made while in college in the sailing club at mm. my university. So this childhood exposure to sailing clearly. Oh, very deeply. Stuck with you to this day. And uh, myself and then president of the club had this insane idea to try and take as much of the sailing club on a week-long cruise in the Caribbean. Okay. And he's the genius, artistic, idea, inspirational leader. And as you've come to know me, I'm the bullets, phone calls, and spreadsheet kind of guy. So I did all the mechanics to put it together. He inspired people to get on board and do it. And we took 13 seniors in college on a 50-foot-plus beautiful sailboat with no captain, we all know how to sail. Okay. And they let us take this boat, a bunch of college kids, loading crates of rum onto this thing in harbor around the British Virgin Islands for a week. And it was one of the most magical vacations of my entire life. That's amazing. It was beautiful. Uh, and the other one, much much shorter to explain, I think, honestly, I'll go back to the road trip. My now wife and I, we took my little Mazda 3 that could, and we did all of Route 66, and then we drove up the entire Pacific Highway 101, almost all of it, to Eureka, California, which we talked in Harry and the Hendersons, we the did. Bigfoot Museum, Indeed. and then came back on Eddie. And it was just a fascinating, all these little parts of the country we'd never seen before. Yeah. Hundreds of tiny memories of hotels and attractions and meeting up with friends and family along the way, yeah. and just an incredible, like time for the two of us to bond and get to know each other even more, Yeah, which two years later, we were engaged after that trip. I, yeah, as an adult, those two summer trips are some of like the biggest that had impact. If you can do a, what, 7,000 mile road trip, is that what that was? What yeah, with somebody was? else in a tiny car. And then still want to marry them, you know that that's like a recipe yeah. for success. <laughs> I also want to point out, it was a five speed and she didn't know how to drive six, so, drove so I drove the... It? Whole thing. Oh. She's not a fan of stick. I mean, I get it. Yourself? Yeah. Adult trips. So two things. At the end of undergrad, I had a great opportunity to go to Costa Rica. Oh, I've always wanted to go to Costa Rica. So I had a friend who was living there at the time. And I just had this really unique opportunity where I could like go visit and stay with them. So flew down there again by myself. This yeah. is in 2001. Okay. Literally months before September 11th, right? It's like wow. June or July. Oh, my God. Fly down there. Don't know what I'm doing. I don't speak Spanish. And I just remember I get there. I meet my friend at the airport. We get into this cab. We're driving. Cabby's talking to us. He's like, oh, where's your friend from? We're having this whole conversation. Yeah. He's speaking to the driver in Spanish. And then I'm saying stuff to him. And he's translating wow. to the driver. At one point, my friend turns around to me and he says, I don't want you to panic, but we are in a pirate cab. What is a pirate cab? <laughs> so there's a lot of cabs that are like not registered legit cabs. And I think what they normally do is they try to prey on tourists, uh, gringos. Do they run themselves. into other cabs and then try and steal their money? No, while they just they, on the road? no, they're, they're not that there's kind a of plank. Pirate. No, there's the grappling there's, hooks. There's, there's no, there's, this is not Assassin's Creed Black Flag. So, uh, 
<laughs> Amazing. They're basically like making money by not having to be registered. They drive a car that looks very similar oh, to a yeah. cab. They're usually yeah, yeah, they're yeah, like yeah, a yeah. maroon color, uh, at least at that this time. This is a thing Rica. very common in a lot of countries where it's like oh, unregistered sure. cabs. Well, I mean, there's a whole thing, not to go too sideways, but there's a whole thing in Mexico where they used to have the VW Beetles and like the back seats, there's no back doors. So you have to put the seat open. So there's this whole thing where people would trap you in the back and like (gasps) rob you. Oh my God. Literally had nowhere to go. Oh my God. Thankfully not that, but I just remember being in the, like, this was my introduction to coming to Costa Rica where he's like, I don't think we're in any danger. He's probably just going to try to overcharge us. And I was like, okay. So we get to this place. We pay a little extra than we probably should have, but it wasn't like a crazy amount. And I'm like, here I am in Costa Rica. It was just like a great trip because it was like, you know, I was at that age, just out of undergrad. So, you know, I'm like, you know, becoming my own it's person. It's going to be great. More I'm going to be dancing this week. It's so courageous. I just remember like we went to this hostel over on the beach and it was just like, it was just a very amazing learning experience. But one of the reasons I was thinking about music is because I have a very specific album that I remember and always associate with being in Costa Rica. And that was Radiohead's Amnesia. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember listening to that album in Costa Rica. So I had this very specific musical memory with that trip. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. good and then good, speaking good. of road trips, a friend and I, we did a road trip through Ireland. Oh, <gasps> that's cool. So we did the Republic of Ireland. We didn't go up to Northern Ireland. Oh. But we basically did a big loop. We started in Dublin, did a whole, we went down to like Killarney, and then we went up to like Galway, and then back over. So yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so we do a road trip. We're supposed to have an automatic car because my friend doesn't drive stick. Sure. So we get there and basically we lose the car and they only had a manual transmission. Thankfully, I could drive manual. Oh, so okay. I ended up having okay. to drive the whole trip too because my friend, she didn't drive manual and I did. So very similar to the trip you guys took. We had kind of planned it out. We had this nice leisurely trip around. We got to see so many different places. I just remember, speaking of musical memories, Yeah. we went to a cave. I looked this up. It's in County Tipperary. It's a long way to Tipperary. Oh, yeah. Right. I don't know if it's the same Tipperary. But anyway. I think it might be. It was Mitchell's Town Cave. You know I'm a huge caver. I'm very excited about this story. Flat green meadow. Okay. Pull up. There's just a house. And this, like, I think family runs this, like, tour of this cave. Oh. And we go there. It's in the middle of the week. Actually, it's a Friday. We show up. And it's my friend and I on this tour with a group of middle schoolers. So is it in the house? Like you go in the house and then there's a stairway? No, down? like they lead you like back behind the house and then there's like an entrance into oh, okay, it. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. So we're descending down into this cave. You're about to get robbed. Kids are talking. Huh. And one of them says to the other, hey, what's today? And one of them says, it's Friday. And they all break out into Rebecca Black's Friday, no. Friday, got to get down on Friday. No. My friend and I start cracking up. I look over at her and I was like, this is the chief export of the United States no. To Ireland. Rebecca Black. Internet was, meme sensation. I thought they were going to sing like some cool Irish traditional folk song and it's like exactly. echoing off the cave walls and it's this beautiful transcendent experience. No, Rebecca Black's Friday. The nice thing is you get in this middle part of the cave and there's kind of this like rise in it and it's just open caverns. And they're like, well, like do concerts here. Like people will come and play. And they were telling us about some of the concerts. And they're like, if anyone wants to sing right now, if you sing, it's amazing acoustics. Yeah, sure. And there's a girl in the group and they're like, all the other kids are like, she sings. We were, they're trying to get her to sing. And she's yeah, yeah, like yeah. shy. She finally goes to do it. And it's beautiful. I can't remember what she's saying. I just remember it sounded amazing. Again, the full acoustics of being in this cave. Like, and I felt that hair standing up. And I felt that washed away 
the transgression of having to have oh, Rebecca Black staying in a cave <laughs> in the middle of nowhere Ireland. Well, that's amazing. So those are two like really big standouts. And I guess I didn't ask you this earlier, but do you have any musical associations with either of those trips, like a song or an album or something that you just immediately associate with one of those trips? Well, I feel like there are deeper and deeper triggers of nostalgia that can happen with things from our childhood and from our past. Okay. Where, like, I feel like seeing something is the weakest nostalgia trigger. Where you, like, see a picture on Instagram. Sure. You see your childhood home and you're like, oh, that's great. I have warm memories. But it's not like a – it doesn't get down deep. It's not like eating the food your grandmother only made during the holidays. Like, right. So there's taste, which is a big deal. And then there's sound. And sound can either be, like, the great music you brought up and it, then that sound triggers a memory. I feel like that's a deeper nostalgia hit than visual. And it doesn't have to be music – Maybe it's a sound. Maybe you're walking into your childhood home and the gate squeaks a certain yep. way in the front oh, door. Yeah. Like you're walking up the steps and you remember the six steps squeaks a little bit when you step on it. There is a certain sound to the shocks on that van I was telling you I'm about. Sure. It goes over a bump. I can hear the shocks right like, now. Like, yeah, yeah. So we took a break from the family trip to Myrtle Beach for a few years because there were some health issues and not everybody can make it to Myrtle Beach. But then we finally all went back together again near the end of high school and it hit me like a brick wall walking out on the beach and smelling that beach and that surf sure if you're obsessed with beaches every beach smells a little different because it's based on the nearby vegetation the animals that are in it the salinity of water how much the water stirred up by the surf and the current and like that myrtle beach has such a very specific tangy salty smell in the air i will never forget being just bowled over by the smell of Myrtle Beach, returning to it after so many years. So not a sound necessarily, but the smell was a deep nostalgia hit. Well, you're right. And smell is the closest link because olfactory sensation goes directly to your amygdala and to the hippocampus, which is memory and emotions. As we may have taught you on the initial episode of 80s High. Indeed, a direct link. Nostalgia. Go check it out. It's quite intelligent. Your nose has a direct, unfettered pathway. <laughs> It has a Route 66 to the the pleasure centers of your brain. Absolutely. You know, another thing I wanted to talk about was here we are in 2021. Like summer vacations last year in 2020 basically didn't happen for a lot of people. Yeah, right. I feel like cautiously optimistic that like this summer will actually be a nice return to creating more summer memories. Yeah, totally. Which I know we're all ecstatic about. Absolutely. I want to take a spin on your idea of like, your favorite adult vacations. I want to ask you a question. Thinking of your childhood summer vacations and experiences, how do you feel they influenced you in the rest of your life? Like the stuff that we mentioned, I think there's a lot about trying new things, being creative, having fun. Playfulness to me is a very important part of life. Mm -hmm. And Nothing to me embodies that spirit more, I think, than that idea of summer break. You have all of this time on your hands, these endless possibilities, these fun things that you can do. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, you just kind of go for it. You really just do things without any worry about, not necessarily consequences, but also like, as an adult, you often edit yourself as you're doing a thing. Like, I don't know about this. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You kind of get the tape in your head that's sort sure. of telling you, I don't sure. think that's right. And so... But as a kid, you sort of don't have that filter, and it's a little refreshing. And so I feel like, to me, I think there's a lot of the creative aspects of summer that still kind of influence 
the creative pursuits I like to do as a uh, an adult. And also, hmm. I have a very fond appreciation, more so than I did as a kid, for the outdoors. Oh, yeah. We all moved here because we want to enjoy the outdoors. And so totally. camping and backpacking and mm. uh, exploring a whole new part of the country and getting up into Canada and seeing a different part of that country is just very exciting. What kind of ride do you have? What do you drive? I have a little adventure van. And were your summer trips largely focused around a van? I mean, I'm not going to say there's not a connection there. Is that what you were? Was it? Were you sort of like I wasn't was a leading question? I wasn't fishing. I wasn't fishing. But while you were talking, I was like, "Oh wait, he's got a fan. There are no seat belts in the back of it, so he can run around. There's toys and games and snacks back there. Like the van. every time I pass a trucker, I'm like trying to get him to blow the horn. You're like, it's all coming together now. The van has come back. All right, I was just curious. I talked about uh, Ocean City and Myrtle Beach and Chaffinch Island. It really inspired a lifelong love of the sea. I mean, I love any kind of body of water, but salt water is like really my happy place. And so much of my adult life is like building up the groundwork to live by the ocean again. Mm. I've always told my wife where I was like, I just want to be able to hear halyards banging on masts. And I want to hear seagulls and I want to smell salt water. Those are the three things I need. That's it. And we made it out here. You know, we're not super close to the Pacific, but it's not too far away. You can still get salty a little bit. Sure. Nearly all vacations I go on, you'd be like, oh, now you live by the ocean, so you're going to go to the desert or the forest. Whether it's a weekend getaway or a big international trips or somewhere else, I'm always trying to get to more water. We love going water trips, whether it's a, a rafting trip. We've been whitewater rafting together. Indeed. Whitewater rafting or like going to a cool exotic beach or a sea we far away. We survived a class five rapid. And we did. did not fall out of the boat. We did because we're so good. We're good. I tell people that I'm very fishy and not in like a sketchy way, but like I was a lifeguard for several seasons. I love canoeing and I taught canoeing at summer camp. I'm a sailor. That's how my wife and I met. We're both scuba certified. We love scuba diving. You're a merman, is what you're telling me. I'm a what? A merman. I am a merman. I am am the (laughs) submariner. But I love all that. And for most of my childhood, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Like, Mm. I wanted to study animals in the ocean and work them. That was until, like, Jurassic Park came out. And then I wanted to be a paleontologist. Obviously. But, like, I loved all that stuff. And, like... I'm not just loving activities on the ocean, but I loved the science of it. Like, I love marine biology. I love the animals that inhabit it, the cycles, how oceans and currents work. And to this day, I'm very passionate about ocean health. So, like, the health and protection of reefs and pollution, that's that's always a really big thing. I volunteer a lot in the Puget Sound region for water cleanups. Like, that set a whole lifelong pattern for me. Well, and you have your big initiative of rescuing frogs from people's swimming that's pools. That's what it was the whole thing. I mean, I, that's like your other big initiative. That's my side hustle is I go to people's swimming pools and pull frogs out. But you'll love this. So I told you the story of Myrtle Beach. My grandmother would get up and collect seashells. Right. Five feet to your right on a shelf. What do you see? I see a terrarium. Yeah. It appears to have sand. Yes. Pebbles. Yes. Other objects, which I would either call rocks, or I'm guessing based on your setup, there are seashells in there. Those are my grandmother's seashells. Those are that. For our wedding, my mother gathered my grandmother's seashells from around the house, and for our wedding rehearsal dinner, she made these fish bowls for every table with a few of my grandmother's shells in each one. Oh. And now we have cool. them here, and also that, that big shell is one of the decor bowls that my grandmother had around the house. Is that a real shell? Season. That's a real shell. Holy. Filled with a bag of Holy. other shells that I just oh. almost scattered around. They were a big theme of our wedding, and now they inhabit our house. My grandmother beachcombing on Myrtle Beach. 
if you're a parent and you have kids and you're like going through all the logistics of like, oh my God, we got to book the place and we got to get on the road and we got to keep the entertainment and the snacks and the meals. And is this even freaking worth it? The answer is yes. What you're doing with your kids are going to impact their passions and their interests for the rest of their lives. Defend the summer vacation. Defend the summer road trip with the family. It will impact for decades to come. Hopefully, most likely, for the best. I like it. That's what I got. Amazing. We asked our class of 80s high, what are some of the starkest contrasts between summer vacation for kids today versus kids in the 1980s? Seatbelts is probably (laughs) top of the list. (laughs) A lot of safety. (laughs) A lot of safety. Uh, This person, one person said they thought kids take a much more elaborate trips than they did as kids. I think it's definitely true. I think there's more opportunities for people to take more elaborate vacations these days. I really do. I was trying to think of this when they wrote that answer. What does more elaborate mean? I would say probably like an international trip. We're going to fly to these amazing places. We're going to have multiple country. I mean, granted, this is not everyone in the population. Well, sure. but I feel like there's more people who have the opportunity to do that. No, that makes and sense. There's a little more connection and openness about understanding the world now than there was. I mean, remember, you had to go to like a travel agent. And like, there wasn't an internet where you could research these amazing things. You just had to hear it word of mouth or read it in a magazine or go to a travel agent and pay them a lot of money to set up a thing. Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. I just think there's more opportunities. This other one is an interesting debate because we touched on it a little bit ago. So somebody said, are kids even allowed to roam free these days? Internet and video games were just getting started when I was a kid. So I'd like to imagine we spent a lot more time outdoors than today's kids. However, you and I talked about where I felt like in the summer we would roam the neighborhood in a biker gang, like a mountain bike gang, and you'd play during the day, cul-de-sac baseball, and mess around the woods and super soaker. But then at night, you would sleep over at someone's house, which was largely playing video games all night. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you agree that we spent more time outdoors in the summer? Or did you have a similar balance of like daytime, outdoors, nighttime, indoors? My perception is that we had more outdoor time and it was almost mandated to us. Sure. Get out of the house. It was the culture of the time. Yeah. And it wasn't just being outdoors, but I've heard stories of people flipping out because they see a kid in someone's front yard unattended. Ooh. And we would run up and down the street. Again, we would just go riding off the Lord knows where. I mean, we were generally given boundaries, like don't go past this, but sure. No, if we did or no, not. God, no. As long as you were back by a time. And so I feel like there was more free, unattended exploration. Oh, yeah. I definitely felt that. It's just a different vibe now for parenting. You just you yeah. don't leave kids unattended like yeah. that anymore. So I love that you, I love you saying that because it's a great segue to the longer perspective that somebody shared. Okay. So they said kids in their area, which is in the D.C., Maryland area, okay. generally don't play outside. This person has a 14-year-old. They said they they rarely play outside, but none of their friends do either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say they don't have to because they kind of hang out on and chat on Discord and play yeah. video games. Yeah. Does it sound familiar? Yeah. The parent thinks that's cool that they can still hang out and do this stuff without running around. Sure. But they say it's less normalized for young people in general to just go out exploring on their own or together. This person says, I can remember being 10 and walking and riding my bike over a mile from my house with a friend that got a family harassed by CPS, which I don't know what CPS is. Child Protective Services. Oh, is it? Mm -hmm. That got a family harassed by CPS when I first moved here to D.C. or Maryland. And they said, can you imagine that happening during our childhoods? Okay, so I'm going to take that back. There definitely was way more because to their point, I just remember when I was young. 
the entire neighborhood, kids running around everywhere. I remember one late night we were playing some kind of ghost hide and seek thing. And it was all these kids from the neighborhood. It felt like 50 kids. I'm sure yeah, it wasn't sure. 50 kids, but I was young. A I was gaggle like, of children. I was like in kindergarten. Yeah. And I just remember like all of us playing that and we like joined hands and we walked around in a circle doing this chant and there's one person in the middle. And when we end the oh. chant, they get up and chase us and like we all had to scatter. Oh, that's fun. You don't see that anymore. That just doesn't happen. But yeah, like being as close to a city that we are, I don't see that. Largely in my neighborhood, you've got traffic that's Beads through the neighborhood. Yeah. Because people have been shamed to get off the streets <laughs> a century ago. Those jaybirds. You can't, those jaybirds, you can't play in the streets anymore. Those jaywalking jaybirds. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I don't have a lot of like hard evidence in front of me, but I definitely, f- it feels like that is true. I don't think that this is going to be a really complicated equation. And come on, it's the end of the school year. We're kind of getting, what's that like educational drift you talked about? What's the gap in summer? <laughs> Apparently, not only do you have a summer learning loss, you have a last hour summer loss. Intellectual melt? learning loss. What's it called? Ben's brain is like that deformed ninja turtle ice cream It's melting. It's melting away. Yeah. Let's do one last equation for the school year. Okay. Let's head to math class. Indeed. Let's see if this... Does the summer vacation still hold up? (laughs) All right. Let's go. (laughs) So, Ben, I love that you said that because I knew Ben was going to put... Summer on the chopping block. Of course. I now deem summer vacations irrelevant. <laughs> I'll come up with some like horrible like social civil rights reason of like why it doesn't hold up anymore. Yeah, yeah. So this is what I want to say. I'm yeah. not going to put summer on trial, nor okay. automobiles, nor the dirtbag marketers who got all of those pedestrians off the How streets. How have we not put automobiles on trial? <laughs> oh my god. I just yeah. want to sum up what summer means to me. Ooh. To me, summer is a season of optimism. Yeah. It's warm outside. The days are long. We're here in the Pacific Northwest. It's going to get to a point real soon where at 10 o'clock at night, we still got a little sun on the horizon. It's crazy. A little bit of light. It's amazing. Yeah. The possibilities feel endless. Yeah. This is like a season devoted to spending time with loved ones, your favorite hobbies, your pastimes for your leisure and recreation. Summer is also a season of endings and beginnings. Mm. Kind of to your point, you need that like transition time and periods of transition are times of growth and reflection. Mm -hmm. Those long summer breaks, I think, are instrumental in that overall development as a person. Oh, yeah. Lastly, I just feel summers are magical. Like you said, the air smelled different. It's like a sweet smell to the air. Summer rain and thunderstorms. You smell rain before it comes. Remember thunderstorms? And there's just like this, I don't know, resilience in the air, I think, with the promise of something new and something unexpected. Mm. Summer is not my favorite season. Oh. But it is perhaps the most memorable one. Oh, what a twist. What is your favorite season? It's between fall and spring. Mm, The bumper season. Probably fall. Fall's good. I love fall. Especially the the crisp autumn air. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Plus being an October baby, like I love October. I love like corn mazes. Uh, Halloween is my favorite. Halloween is one of the, probably the best holiday. Scary stuff. Pumpkin patches. Pumpkin patches. Corn corn mazes. mazes. Mm -hmm. Yep. But we don't, fall is not on trial right now. But for our next topic, uh, I wouldn't have surprised you with fall, but no. Um, Right now we're putting summer on trial and Judge Ben Judge no. Ben Stiffer is going to come up to, come up to the pulpit and make his decree. Does summer break hold up? <laughs> A thesis by Ben. 
So summer is very bittersweet as an adult. On the positive, like the anticipation of summer's arrival is still very exciting. Yeah. Like it's going to be warm, can bust out my t-shirts and my shorts and my flippy flops. And then like summer's full of like wonderful activities. Like you've got all sorts of festivals and outdoor concerts and you can go do whitewater rafting, mm. different types of hiking. It's much more comfortable to do ocean activities <laughs> rather than the winter when the good wind is around. So, like, I'm still very excited by summer. But as an adult, <laughs> summer is nowhere near as awesome as it was as a kid. I mean, sure. Because, like, as an employee... You don't get a break. Because <laughs> there's no break. So, like, as an employed adult, you get... Like two weeks a year to go enjoy your life outside of work or three weeks is a joke. It's a joke. And it's terrible that society has crumbled to a place where you need to give 50 weeks of your life to a job and not like being the a larger, broader, more positive impact on yourself, your family, your community, and the world. That's a horrible slide in culture, I think. And even in our adult life, when you take a vacation, you're still getting pinged an email. You might get a call once in a while from your boss or a supplier that you've got to take it because it's an important call. Or this is a client you've been trying to land for 10 years. You can't skip taking this call. you got to take it. So you're still never unplugged. So you just don't get that break where like in July when you were nine, your English teacher wasn't pinging you for a book report. You know you'd have to write one when you came back about what you did with your summer. But like you were free yeah. from virtually any obligation except be back at home time for dinner. Yeah. That was it. And of course, as an adult, when you finally get this week to do the trip, you have the week leading up where you got to get all your office work done. So it's a stressful, horrible week or two getting ready for vacation. And vacation now as an adult, you have to pay for it. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. You have to pay for the vacation. You have to pay for it with vacation days. You have to plan it out. You have to do all the logistics to get there. Once you're there, you're trying to force yourself. You're like, I'm having a good time now. I need to unplug from my daily life and I'm on vacation mode now. It's a whole nother level of like stress and the boring stuff you didn't think of as a kid of like, there are tickets to book and you've got to get a cab, uh, uh, a pirate cab to get from the airport <laughs> to your accommodations that you didn't, ever, you, you didn't have to worry about as a kid. Yeah. And so I so value the summer breaks that I had as a child, hugely formative, wonderful memories. And I don't know what summer vacation is like for kids today in 2020 and 2021. Let's say 2019, because that's more of a normal summer break for kids. But like as an adult, I love the summer season, but it's just so drastically different than the freedom and carefree nature of being a child on summer break. So summer is not on trial. Adulthood is on trial. Adulthood. (laughs) And adulthood, you are guilty of destroying joy and self-improvement. Oh, my God. First degree murder of my joy. (laughs) Yes! Which brings us to... We the jury. (laughs) This is now a true crime podcast. We made it. We did it. We've come full circle. It's a true crime podcast. This has been our slow twist into being true crime. Yeah. That's great. So that's sort of my twist on math class for summer vacation. That's great. There's definitely a difference. There's just something about being the kid and the the, the carefree nature of it. Things are just happening. Sometimes you didn't like it that you had no control. But in, in this kind of situation, I'm like, someone else take care of all this business. Yeah. Third grade, I'm getting on a plane. Someone else buy the tickets for me. I'm not going to do that. You remember my 40th birthday party? That was a lot of work. For sure it was a I had to plan out. That was a lot of logistics. But it was delightful. It was a great time. It was great. Don't get me wrong. But it's just like, if someone else was like, I will handle all this for you, you just show up. Uh, yeah. Please do. Which brings us to my favorite part. Indeed. But just kind of a different reveal. 
It's a little different. Is the surprise perhaps not on you or me, but... But on the listener. Maybe on our listeners. And we have to get this out before the bell rings for summer break. Indeed. Because we are, in the true fashion of an 80s high school, we are going to treat ourselves to a summer break. Indeed. As we've said... This is not the end of the show. This is not the end of the show. Calm down. Let's be very clear, because the way you started saying it, like, I was like, oh my god, are we ending the show? Even though I knew the answer. Even though you knew the answer. Okay, the the listeners Even though this was a mutual idea. Many of us who have been listening to this podcast have been cooped up indoors for at least a year. It's a some level. We're we're huge outdoors fans. So we want to take advantage of this beautiful outdoor season, this newfound freedom we have. And last but not least, as you've heard, I think we talked about it on the Miracle on Ice episode. Chris puts in an incredible amount of time editing every one of these episodes. We both put a ton of time in researching the topic and getting ready for it. Each recording session is over two hours when we do it. (laughs) We put in a lot of time. Yeah. And so we want to give ourselves a well-earned summer break. We will be back in the fall, just when school is back in session. We don't know. We might pop in randomly. We might, something might strike us and we're like, we need to do an episode in July. Something comes on your Spotify playlist. You're like, we have to talk about this song. The best thing, if you want to keep kind of in the know, is to join our Instagram. Absolutely. Please follow do. us on Instagram if you haven't. Yep. You know, when the show is going to be coming back, we'll probably do some updates. Oh, like, hey, boy. we're coming back because at some point we're going to have to tell you all what the next topic's going to be. Oh, yeah. We're kind of left on a cliffhanger. <laughs> so, first off, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We yeah. really appreciate the listenership. We appreciate people who took the time to rate and review us oh, yeah. on Apple Podcasts. It does help our show get a little more recognition, which is great. Also, if there's someone you think might enjoy the show, pass a little word along. We try not to like over-promote and just sort of let it be natural. If you've enjoyed the show, if you've learned something, if we've given you a laugh, if you've enjoyed screaming at your steering wheel when we can't remember the thing, when you go write a little review on iTunes... That helps us know that we're doing something valuable to at least somebody out there. We want to hear from you. Awesome. Well, with that said, we hope you all enjoy your summers as well. Have a time to reconnect with the people who matter to you. Reconnect to the earth and the city and the places that you love so much. Earth, wind, and fire. And we (laughs) Indeed. And we will catch you sometime later this year on the next episode of 80s High. Thanks, everyone, for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor. Stay radical.